2: guys right there all three of them defense linemen. all three of them are monitoring the nfl they know all these guys like tj watt and max crosby Rashawn gary hassan reddick they know who trained them they know that brandon jordan is the guy that can get them to that level and that's why michigan state has a shot with all of them you know they have a lot of suitors i know david hicks he has texas a m and we know what they can do with the resources they have over there but, like, at Resou- the end of the day.
1: Talk, talk about the resources at the <laughs>
2: Oh, it's, I don't need Jimbo telling me I should have been slapped. But, um, uh, uh, yeah, so essentially, ba- like, a lot of fans- They have bags of resources. <laughs> Huh? No, it's the sunny scenery in College <laughs> Station, Brian. How could they ever do something like paying a player? I mean, it's a, it's utopia. Yeah, College Station. It, is, it
1: is. College Station, Texas is utopia. Santa
2: Monica, Paris, France, College Station. You, <laughs> all in the same boat. But yeah, so like when it comes to David Hicks, he's a guy that, yes, he has those Texas A&M. Um, uh, he has the Texas a attention. They're willing to put resources on him. But a guy like Hicks, his dad has been around the NFL. They know that it's not wise to always prioritize the short-term return over maybe who can get you to the NFL, who can train you, and who's training the best right now. So because of that, I know some Michigan State fans are skeptical about landing a guy like David Hicks, and obviously it's not going to be an easy battle. But this is a guy that that relationship with Brandon Jordan and the long-term payoff that would come from that should offset maybe some of the resources that Texas A&M might be willing to put in there. And then Vic Burley and Jaden Wayne, those are two guys making their first trips to East Lansing. Both of them really, really drawn to Brandon Jordan's development. Marco Coleman also doing a nice job there. But yeah, so a lot of exciting times here in terms of defensive line recruiting. And that comes from Brandon Jordan.
1: I mean, let's let's, let's talk for a second about the, the O-line, right? Yeah so we got sanker visiting yeah omara visiting um yeah what what's your take on those two
2: yeah so madden sanker is probably coach cap's top interior offensive line target he's a guy that can come in and play right away uh, there's going to be a need for him to come in and play right away because J.D. Duplaine is going to be graduating. And then right guard, you hope that uh, there's an answer already on the roster. I think Gino Vandermeer could be good there. But you're, you have an immediate need at guard, and you have a guard here that's able to come in and play right away and step in for J.D. Duplaine next year. I think he would be uh, well-suited to commit to Michigan State. And then after that, you're looking at uh, Sham Umarov. He's an offensive tackle that is down to LSU, Georgia, Um, Michigan State and Tennessee. And, again, he's a guy that, just like everyone else, Coach Cap seems to be recruiting here at tackle. was a four-star, top 300 kind of guy, somebody that is not going to drag out the process for no reason. He's going to take his four visits, not even take a fifth one, commit sometime this summer, and Michigan State has a fighting chance there just like everybody. So how about, um,
1: you know, we got the Bell – tight end Thurman visiting yes.
2: yeah yeah tell for me sure. a little
1: bit about those two guys
2: yeah so a lot of the attention goes to the guys that are the highest ranked uh the guys we've already talked about but Jelani Thurman who uh, he's actually as highest as ranked as anybody he's Michigan State's top target at tight end his mom and her side of the family is from Jackson Michigan even though he plays down in Georgia oh from Jackson yeah man. yeah her, his mom is how'd they uh, end up down there um, so his, his parents are both alums of UGA, Okay. but um, his mom was Kara Braxton, uh, who played for the Detroit Shock WNBA. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, yeah, the family would be very comfortable coming back up here. And obviously, Michigan State, it's been a while since they've had uh, a solidified tight end. So the opportunity is there for the taking with him. And then uh, you kind of start going down the list. And Chance Rucker, he's one of the top targets for Michigan State at cornerback right now down from texas michigan state has gotten up here for two unofficials already this summer or i should say this spring and this winter and yeah you just keep going jalen braxton another four-star corner from texas and demetrius bell is one of only two wide receivers visiting michigan state in june so clearly the staff is very selective there and he's one of the few that fit the mold of what they're looking for
1: so this obviously has been very intentional who they're targeting absolutely um in our lifetime have we seen this type of star power come to East Lansing in June. Well, I'm 48, so my my lifetime's a little different than yours. But yeah, this is I mean, this is really unprecedented. It really I mean, is what Mel Tucker has done here, has made MSU a destination spot. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's not a stepping stone. Yeah, and it's it's, it's just incredible how you you got you got kids coming from the Pacific Northwest. You have mm-hmm. kids paying their own way to come here. Yeah. Um, Talk a little bit about that. Like when you talk to these recruits and their families, you know, what are they when they come here? What are they expecting?
2: Yeah. So like the way I kind of explain it to people that are always kind of on the pessimistic side and they reply to like my tweet and they say, yeah, it's cool who's visiting. But if they don't commit, it doesn't matter this right here. You landing one of a recruits five official visits is a concrete barometer of what your program's perception is like across the nation when you have kids from the pacific northwest kids from sec country kids from texas all coming up here and choosing you as one of their official visit spots that is a concrete Texas A&M without the bag <laughs> just care curi- i don't you know i'm just curious <laughs> but uh, yeah so when you have kids from all those parts of the country coming here giving you one of your five officials and in some cases coming over here on their own dime that means something And I don't care if they haven't committed yet. I don't care how many of them don't commit. For that to be the perception and for that to be happening right now in itself is a concrete barometer of where this program currently sits.
1: Have you ever seen the excitement around just because talking to these families and hearing there, a lot of these kids are coming because of one person, Mel Tucker, Mm -hmm. and the, the energy and excitement he's built around the program. Have have you ever seen anything
2: like that? No, it's it's quite surreal, honestly. Because when you saw that, tell me surreal. What do you mean by surreal? Because I agree yeah. with you. I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't.
1: I didn't. I've never known much about recruiting. Yeah. but you know he's made this obviously right. a twelve-month season. Tell me about surreal.
2: Yeah. So first of all, I go back a few months when Michigan State had their spring game. They had it on the same day as Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, and they had so many kids from sec country make their way up here that was the first huge kind of marker of the 23 class was going to have a lot of momentum behind it now you look at the present day you look at the 41 people that are scheduled to come here on official visits you look at who their other contenders are that did not get an official visit from them you can even compare this to alabama georgia ohio state and all of those schools and yet they might still be ahead of michigan state in terms of the star power that they have But look at anybody below that tier, anyone that hasn't won a national title yet. And Mel Tucker's fleet of kids that are coming up here are already ahead of those guys after one good season and the culture that everyone is resonating with and the staff he has put together and the energy around the program. Those factors have Michigan State ahead of basically everyone other than a title contender of the past few years after such a short time. That,
1: that's incredible I mean yeah. he talked about after the Ohio State, the Ohio State game huh? yeah. we're going to close the gap it's going to be in recruiting mm-hmm. and he's obviously had an emphasis on recruiting he knows what he wants I remember talking to him he said big hands big feet big heads right yeah. so if it was that simple yeah Coach, if that was that simple, you would sign my son right now. Um, who's Just it, tell 20, me to put
2: the crystal ball 2031.
1: You want to put the crystal ball on my son?
2: Let's make the profile.
1: <laughs> but it's okay. definitely, yeah. the perception has definitely changed. There's, there's absolutely no question about it. When you hear about all across the country, Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that's I, I find to be. Um, yeah.
2: And this isn't just us kind of saying this based on what we're hearing. You can go on the site. You can look at who's taking official visits where. Go to every school's official visitors tab. See how many have 42 people coming. See what their star power is looking like. There might be a handful of schools ahead of Michigan State right now, not much more. And Said Khalif, I forgot which outlet he gave this quote to, but he gave a quote a few months ago. He said that they have already noticed that they're getting responses and attention back from kids that just a few months ago they were not hearing from. So this is them experiencing this change in perception, too. It's not just our opinions.
1: Wow. Go back to the uh, the unofficial of Jaden Wayne. Yeah. Right. Which I think speaks volumes. Right. So Jaden Wayne, tell us, tell us a little yeah. bit about him and, and him taking an official visit here, Yeah. which I think is... Uh, yeah. It culturally mm-hmm. changed the whole dynamics of the, the Absolutely. organization.
2: So Jaden Wayne, he's a kid from the Pacific Northwest out there in Washington. He's a kid that uh, shortly after he was offered, I want to say the very next morning after he was offered, he edited his top schools graphic and put Michigan State in there, despite it being just the beginning of his recruitment from Michigan State. And that happened because of the Brandon Jordan effect. That was after BT Jordan was hired. And he knew the development that he would get from BT Jordan. So he's a kid that he's already thinking along the correct lines of where can I go where I can get the best possible development for the NFL? And then go ahead and have a successful career so jaden wayne is a guy that this is his first visit to michigan state it's in an unofficial capacity and like you said that's very impressive for a kid from across the nation to pay for his flight pay for hotel and lodging for multiple nights and come here on a multi-day unofficial visit that speaks even more about his interest in the program than maybe even taking an official visit would right now i would argue so the interest that he has in michigan state is significant I don't know who the leaders are. I can't speculate so far on how good Michigan State's chances are, but with BT Jordan in the mix and with this level of interest being shown by Jaden Wayne, I think this is a recruit definitely worth paying attention to.
1: Let's get to that BT Jordan effect. I mean, what has he done? I mean, if you look at all, you know, Andrew DuPay and you look at all that. Listen, there is a difference between earning NIL money yeah. and earning real money when you get to the league. Right. Right. And if you're able to educate some of these younger men about, you know, penny wise, pound foolish, uh, taking an early, you know, some money early, but really developing yourself Mm -hmm. to get to that first and second contract. And I mean, Brandon Jordan has, has made it, I mean, it's very clear how many NFL, how many, how many many NFL players train under his tutelage who have come to East Lansing. What kind of effect has Brad and Jordan had on the
2: program? it's unreal it's i kind of want to say that like when bt jordan was hired this was like the best case scenario of what myself Corey robinson and some of the other true believers in the higher thought would happen and it has played out like a dream scenario and you saw it in the beginning right after he took over andrew depape came to michigan state on the first possible junior day that was scheduled he he drove up here he went back to his family committed in the middle of next week that's michigan state's highest ranked out of region commitment in seven years in seven years two weeks after bt jordan took over so that's the effect he had in the immediate and then as the off-season unfolded and his guys in the nfl got paid max crosby got signed tj watt got re-signed and Rashan gary is having one of the better seasons of his career and you kind of start seeing pro football focus put out lists four of the top five pass rushers in football last year we
1: got the number one punter in the nfl draft. that's true that's true don't forget about that
2: yeah all right but so you have these guys that in the nfl are putting up massive massive pass rushing numbers and suddenly the recruits are seeing these while they're being recruited by bt jordan i'm sure he's doing a good job telling them what they can accomplish and what he has accomplished and that has led to where we are here of we have three five star defense alignment visiting this weekend and tons of top three hundred defense alignment visiting this entire month. So
1: it really is gonna take a lot of guidance from these, these younger generation about um, what can I make now? Yes. And what is my earning potential earn uh, being trained under, you know, tutelage of Mel Tucker, Brandon yes. Jordan. Right. And this is it takes it requires discipline and mm-hmm. foresight. Yeah. and I mean, if, if you talk about positioning for the league, I don't really understand any program. When you look at Vic, you look at uh, Marcus, and you look at uh, BT Jordan. Yeah. Right? I mm-hmm. mean, when you, uh, if you're a D lineman, edge rusher, inside three technique, you know,
2: what better school to go to? Couldn't name one. You have a decade. Seriously. Yeah, you have a decade I'm of being, NFL I'm, experience. Uh, forgot being a homer. Yeah. I'm being serious. Yeah. Yeah, you have a decade of NFL experience from Marco Coleman. You have a decade of NFL experience from Kevin Vickerson, and you have four of the five best edge rushers in football being trained by Brandon Jordan. That right there are the three people in the defensive line room right now. So in terms of just looking at it factually and based on their resumes, you could make the argument that you would get the best possible pass rush development as a defense alignment if you come to michigan state now will that transpire over the next few years we'll see but all we can go off of right now is what resume is in front of us
1: resume yep. absolute resume you yep. know i mean i think that's this is where i think the the proper education you know the great things that they're doing at msu right about teaching financial yeah. wellness about understanding nil providing platforms for these young men and women to make educated business decisions, forming LLCs, tax strategies, all these things. I think this is something that, uh, you know, when you look at the total package MSU is offering. And so if you want to get to the league, come get coached by 25 years of experience and a defensive ends coach that's coaching some of the top pass rushers in the league. So that's exciting times. Mm -hmm. This is a big, big month here month of June no question about it yeah let's move on to the next topic Haller Alan Haller our new AD right yeah new AD talks about big changes coming to the Big Ten so I reached out to Alan uh yesterday for a quote and uh you know I asked him what you know tell me a little bit about what's going on and we got well this is the quote that you know alan sent for me which i appreciate right he said and i quote college athletics is changing and michigan state we have it constantly have an innovative mindset and be leaders in the new environment and while that quote tells us nothing (laughs) it tells us a lot yes right yes tells us a lot so obviously when I read that, I read realignment. Obviously, yes. NCA changed the rules mm-hmm. and said that you no longer have to have divisions. Yep. You no longer have to. Uh, um, what else was it? Yeah,
2: there? that's that's the gist of it. So you don't have to have divisions if you want to host a conference title game anymore. So you don't have to have these lopsided divisions where the Big Ten East is defeating the Big Ten West every year.
1: It's been 8-0, right? Has it yeah, been? it has. 58 nothing yep. against Wisconsin. So, you know, I think there's going to be conference realignment. I think there's going. Do you think teams will head from the east to the west?
2: I think uh, because you don't have to have divisions to have a conference title game. Personally, I don't think you need divisions. That's what the Pac-12 is already doing this year. So all that's going to happen is the teams that finish first and second in the conference will play for the the conference title game. So I'm actually hoping that the Big Ten follows suit with the Pac-12, where even though you can't change your schedules for this year, getting rid of deciding who plays in the conference title game by who wins each division, I hope the Big Ten would actually get rid of that this season because right now, if Michigan State finishes second in the Big Ten East under current rules, they're going to have to watch the team that finishes first go ahead and play the team that finishes first in the West. However, if the Big Ten does what the Pac-12 just announced last week, Michigan State could finish second in the Big Ten East and still go play in the title game.
1: Which, which is what I would prefer. Yes. I would prefer that we still play Ohio State. Yeah. We still play Penn State. We still play that team down the road. And then, you know, may the top two teams play. Exactly. Obviously, the, the history of the, of the East versus West has not worked yes. out the way they thought. Yep. Eight, you know, 8-0 uh, East. It's amazing who put those things together. Yeah. Who came up with that alignment? That's what I want to know. Was that Delaney.
2: How did well, that even if it wasn't, he didn't do anything to stop it, so I think you can't put the blame on him.
1: There's no blame at all, but I think that's a great move in in the right direction. I think uh a. D. Haller is right on top of it. he oh, yeah. understands the dynamics, he understands what's changing, and I think it's it's um you know there's always this thing about Michigan and Ohio State being the brand
2: mm-hmm.
1: of the Big Ten mm-hmm. and I think uh a d. Haller's going to change that, yeah, I mean I do yeah. Couple championships won't hurt either, right?
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, I think uh, AD Haller knows what it takes to have a, a, a athletic department all pulling in the same direction. There's not going to be some of that infighting you see at other institutions across the college football, college basketball landscape. He's been part of the game. He's going to look out for the student athletes, and I think you said it well. It's it's going to be uh, a time of elevating the Michigan State brand here under under AD Haller.
1: Absolutely. Schedule release. Big Ten released some times here for the, uh, some of the games coming up. Yeah. What do you think about that? Western Michigan at night on Labor Day weekend, Friday night. Do you prefer that to be a Friday night or Saturday afternoon?
2: I prefer to have as many night games as possible. Why? I can stay up late. I can't. Yeah. That's I don't
1: want to. I'm, I'm going to be be bed by nine. That's the same. <laughs> could, could be. the age difference. But uh, but uh, I, I can appreciate yeah. the 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 Washington 7:30 Eastern yes. start. Agreed. As opposed to the 10:30 when we played Arizona a few years ago. Yeah. And, uh, what does this say about MSU's brand? Yes. When this they is, released. Yeah, this is more about MSU's brand and Mel Tucker's brand yeah, right here. This is a,
2: a great segue to Mel Tucker's quote because this is kind of my answer to it. He said, quote, I think it's going to be great for our fans. Whatever time we have kickoff, we're going to be ready to go. But I think those times are going to be great for our fans that's going to be great exposure for our program for our university and for our players that's why players come to michigan state to play on huge stages like that it's going to be fun so basically you're going to be seeing michigan state playing on espn to start their season at 7 p.m on friday night friday night that's when everyone's going to be dying to see college football come back so you're one of the first games of the entire season seven o'clock at night at home again on espn then Fast forward two weeks from there, you're playing a night game on ABC. Hold at on, let's time. go
1: back to the zips of Akron.
2: True, so don't That is anybody. a That
1: is going to be a dandy. Joe Moorhead. That's it. <laughs> Joe Moorhead. Got a
2: bright, bright offense coming to town. Yeah.
1: But yeah, go to, I'm sorry. Go okay. to Washington. So
2: now we got, um, yeah, Washington, you have, <laughs> you you get to showcase your program on the road against the recruiting areas that you're now pulling oh, from. Oh, we're pulling Jay, from the Pacific Jayden Northwest. Jaden Wayne, Caleb Presley, yes, others. Yes, yes, yes. So yes. yeah, you're going to have a night game, uh, Eastern time, 7.30 PM at Washington. And then the only fourth one that's announced here is you have a Wisconsin team that you're going to be playing at 3:30 or 4 and that's what you want. You don't want that at noon. And Why? You, well, you might want get that the at bed noon. earlier. I wake up at noon, so that's no, not no, going to work get for bed me. earlier.
1: Yeah. I don't tailgate. I'm too nervous game day. You
2: so know. you probably don't like the schedule release. This for me this is You know,
1: 7:30 I can do on a Saturday <laughs> I can do, but uh I think I think uh I think this speaks to like what tucks building yeah right about right. making msu prime time i think that the kids the young men the student athletes love playing at night yeah okay because there is now that's a long day that's also a hard day right you you wake up at the kellogg and you got a whole day of sitting around so if you ever played you, you you never really liked night games uh i mean the kids will like it nowadays but back then you know we viewed it as sitting around all day and waiting for that, you know, so um, that's good insight. Yeah, because you don't think about it it from the player side. No, no, the player side. Back then, we loved noon games. Get it up. Go. Yeah, go play night game. Wake up meetings, walk through lunch, dinner, lay in your room. Watch the three thirty meetings, film, and it's just a long day. You can't wait to get out there. So
2: what do you like more, noon games or three thirty games if you're a player? Is noon too early? Are you on the road or at home? Let's say at home.
1: At home, you want a three thirty game. Okay. You want the crowd to be juiced up. Yeah. You want you know
2: you want the crowd to be juiced up. You but like I that. mean, in terms of your schedule, your personal readiness to play football, what do you think? My personal readiness was noon. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, yeah it was noon. Okay.
1: Now, if you want a true home field advantage. Three 3.30 game. Makes sense. When you're playing on the road, you want a noon game. Yeah, of That's course. That's what you want. Yep. When you're playing on the road, you do not want a 7.30 at night game. Absolutely. Now, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but the crowd's had all day to get juiced up. So, right. it's... Uh, look, if you build a program that, that follows a process, battle, build, and chop, it just doesn't matter what time you play. That's true. It doesn't. But it's really on the coaches and the preparation because they shift the whole schedule. Yeah. Right? So, from a noon game to a 7:30 game, the schedule just changes. It yeah. just shifts. It just shifts. And then, the, the what 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 is not fun is sitting around all day in the hotel, mm-hmm. waiting to play the game, yeah. and then making that walk over at like 5:15 or 5 yeah. o'clock for a 7:30 game. Now you're at home. You get juiced up. Crowd's juiced. Right. First games juice. You know, you got Labor Day weekend. Yeah. On the road, seven thirty. That's a four thirty game. A little bit different. Hmm. Um. So, that's at the end of the day, right? You can't control the schedule, and as any coach will tell you, they'll give you coaches speak. You control what you can control. Right. Yep. And the more prime time games, I believe, at the end of the day, helps visibility for the program. For sure, will yeah. definitely help recruit No question, visibility for the program. Get to Tom Izzo for a second. Got a few choice words for him. Damn it! (laughs) So does Kelvin. Coach, the hell you doing? Not, not, not to say you probably know a little more than I do, but Coach Izzo, keep ten scholarships. Run that role. You got that video? We said we were going to wait till after the recruiting period, and then when that came, then I dealt with Adrian Payne's death for Annette, stopped some, some interviewing than I did, but I, I feel good about where I'm at, and uh, you know, you never, you got a lot of reasons to hire somebody, you know, you want to kind of get somebody that's outside, sometimes, I've always liked to hire some guys inside, uh, part of the family, and so uh, the three guys I'm looking at are all part of the family, and, uh, and I think that's going to be good for us.
2: So, Brian, who's the next assistant coach going to be? Huh? Who's the next assistant coach going to (laughs) be?
1: You're going to wait to find out. (laughs) We're not here to break news, but we'll let coach announce it first. That's what we'll do. Sounds good. We'll go from there. And uh, we're, we're there, but, you know, we're not... When I heard a break news, so sounds good. If I had authority, I will tell you. Sounds good. If I can confirm something, and I'm a, I have authority to confirm something, I will. Sounds good. If I make a, make a if I make a prediction, I will tell you it's a prediction. Sounds good. So we're good. Let's get to the ten scholarship players going forward. What do you What do you, you know, I kind of like that. That that that's an interesting point, mm-hmm. right? About yeah. can you keep thirteen happy?
2: Izzo is right about not ever needing 13 players again. The only thing I would push back on is one more center probably would not have been over the top this year. Like, sure, Marcus Don't Bingham. do
1: you dare push back, but go ahead. Er, go ahead.
2: <laughs> yeah, but so, like, for example, Marcus Bingham probably didn't play as much as he should have early on in his career. So I totally see where coach is coming from of not wanting to repeat that with a guy that has tons of potential in Jackson Kohler. And I 100% agree that 13 guys these days is probably overkill. And people that are only hung up on the number of scholarships probably have it wrong. With all of that said, I think having an unproven Mari Suzuko, an unproven Jackson Kohler, they can't really be too unhappy if they would have had one center from the portal. So I agree in theory, you don't need 11 or 12, 13, but if you have 10, all 10 of them better be, I guess, reliable. Not one of them kind of be red shirting this year as, as one of those 10 scholarships are.
1: It's it's um, you know one thing that that I have learned over the years mm-hmm. and you know that you never doubt yes coaches though I mean and I and I like I said it before I think this is where he thrives best mm-hmm. is when he's being doubted and so while there are many you know MSU Twitter and many fan base m- many of our fan base have absolutely you know gone bonkers about how this yeah. off season has been handled there, there are eight banners mm-hmm. uh, hung up there for a reason, and so the question becomes: Is um, adaptation mm-hmm. to this new this new era of college sports? So, I, yeah. I kind of agree with him. I think it's hard to keep 13 happy.
2: Yeah, I don't right? think you need 13 because no. think about how many you play. You play eight or nine.
1: Yeah, I, I, I agree because if they're not happy, they're in the portal. It's just a different, like it's a different, I remember when I played, right? I didn't want, I wanted to leave Michigan State. I was not (laughs) happy. And my dad told me, shut your mouth. You get back in there and you listen to everything George Perlis said. Yeah. And, and that's, it's just a different environment. Yeah. You know, we can argue all day long. Have the kids changed? Have they gotten softer? Have they X, Y, Z? We can, but I also think the parents have changed. I've changed. I see the way I am with my kids. Mm-hmm. I used to get, I used to get, I used to get my ass kicked for, for snow days. Yeah, because I was lazy. And it had nothing to do with it. And now I'm cheering for my kids when they have snow days yeah. because they can sleep in and order pizza. Yeah. So you know, I would argue that the parents have changed more than the kids. You know. <laughs> I can recall the one, of, you know, the trustee. One of the first times Izzo called me oh. to come see, you know, let's let's have a chat. Yeah, I was terrified. I was, you know, here I am, and I'm his quote unquote boss. Yeah, and I was like, oh my god, what, like, what what are we gonna talk about? Yeah, what's he upset about? What did I what did I do? Mm-hmm. I'm going to the principal's office, and I think it's more of that uh, cl- coach-player relationship. You yeah. know. heading over there, I'm I'm thinking to myself. You know, I'm my like my player, yeah. my boss. And <laughs> I got in there and he chewed. And I'm not gonna say got my ass chewed, but he kinda <laughs> chewed and uh like I took it as a as a former player. Yeah. You know, I thought it was like, All right, you know, it's Coschezzo. Yeah. You know, so I just love him. I have so much respect for him and so I never doubt him. Yeah. I mean I just he's just so open, honest and frank and You know, I just think, I think he'll figure this out. And if he doesn't figure it out, it's over. Time to move on. (laughs) But, I mean, I believe he'll figure this out. He will. I mean, he'll figure it out. And it's that adaptation, right? Yeah. Adapt or die. Yeah. That's really what it boils down to. Rocket Watts. Want to congratulate Rocket Watts. heading to Oakland University. Proud of you, Rocket Watts. Congrats. We wish you all the best in the world and uh we hope you much success had him coming back home and so as a former spartan dog we're all cheering for you so on to our guest can we play that trailer owen kelvin torbert joins the show when a guy doesn't make it like
0: kt it bothers me every day still one day i was showing the staff his highlights from high school. Then we decided what's wrong, you know? Watching that, he was so talented. I definitely looked up to him as a kid growing up. We was in the layup line. Kay got up
2: and dunked the ball at 10 years old. <laughs> it was on my
1: radar when he was in eighth grade, honestly. Maybe seventh. Because as you remember, he was a man-child even back then. He was birthweight That
0: talent. That ain't nothing like you can just get taught. Great mid-range. I know I can do this. Defense. I know I can do that. I really honestly felt like nobody could stop me. I could do whatever I wanted every time. I didn't care if my daddy was out there. I was gonna attack him. This kid is a donkey machine. I'm past this of being the best player in the state. I want everybody to know I'm the best player in the country. And that was my whole drive going into my senior year. Can't forget about his legacy because for the simple fact that what he did for the
1: city of Flint.
0: Calvin Torber is definitely a legend in my book.
1: He had everything there was to have and things just sometimes don't work out.
0: They don't see what's behind closed doors or what that kid is going through. Well,
1: here we go. Calvin Torbert supposed to join the show when we're having a little bit of te- technical difficulties. Um, see, oh, and see if you can get a hold of him. He was. Te- so, Brian, what do you remember about Calvin's playing career? Oh, my God. 2001 Gatorade Player of the Year. I remember when he came to MSU, you know, he was a human highlight film. You know he reminded me of? He reminded me of Dominique Wilkins. Mm. Remember him?
2: Yeah, I've heard of him. Didn't From see him Atlanta, play, Atlanta, uh,
1: <laughs> Atlanta Hawks. And. Uh, he was incredible. Absolutely incredible. The skill, he could jump out of the gym. And, uh, you know, very rarely do we get a Gatorade national player of the right. year in Michigan. Yeah. How often has that happened?
2: Yeah, I, I probably can tell you. I know, obviously, there's there was a recent one, but um, Imani Bates. But, yeah, like, other than that, I, I couldn't remember the last. Because national is a huge deal. That's basically like saying you're the number one player in the nation. That's Gatorade's version of making you the top, player, top high school player in the nation.
1: I mean he could jump out of the gym i remember when we signed him i said wow we got ourselves an absolute stud yeah you know Mm -hmm. he was somebody that you know he wrote a book all in and and it was you know uh i'd love to hear his input uh, his take on you know uh just what uh how he was able to you know what transpired at msu yeah his coach iso stories (laughs) and uh just some of the stuff that transpired at, at uh at michigan state but uh yeah i remember watching him in high school and you know back then flint was the mecca yeah of of high school basketball yeah burst in gym right i mean they all went antonio uh mateen yeah charlie yeah and marquise gray i mean you, you can go on and on and yeah. on uh morris peterson Kelvin, they all grew up there right yeah and it was uh it was uh you know that's how you developed your street cred that's how you developed your ability to be to, to just develop that reputation yeah as as one of the top players do you remember him or were you too young
2: um so he played from 2001 to 2005 I believe so he started playing there when I was three and he left when I was seven so obviously I've seen the YouTube what do you mean highlights. three and seven <laughs> age three and age seven <laughs> but wow. yeah so i've seen the youtube highlight videos and yeah electric um him jason richardson some of these high-flying spartans that i don't miles bridges uh recently kind of took that mold too but like those are rare guys like you don't see those guys jumping out the gym like that having that kind of athleticism especially at that age like you kind of take it for granted these days like the nba dunk competition and stuff but you got to remember how old these kids are and just kind of the competition level that they're playing in and the stuff he was doing in those videos i've seen is definitely definitely special
1: what let me ask you a question so when you were growing up like who who did you idolize at msu basketball
2: honestly it was coach izzo it was because really? players come and go, right? They do. Players come and go.
1: Staples are the
2: staples, well, right? I, I would say it, uh, it's not when I was growing up, but when I was at Michigan State, my time overlapped with three of Cassius Winston's four years. Oh, and like by then, like you're the same we age. Gotta, as we the, gotta get him on. Yeah, by then you're like the same age as the players, so you don't like idolize them, but like you, you kind of respect them. Like you know the daily grind of a college student. Then you multiply that by a thousand with what they go through, the pressure that's on their shoulders leading an entire fan base obviously we knew the stuff he went through in his personal life with his brother's passing and to do all that become the big tens all-time assist leader and just every time i saw him whether it was out and about on the street whether it was at a party or whatever always the nicest dude just like you thought he would be from afar so i would say out of the players that like i really really just respected and always rooted for good things for them it would be Cashless Winston for sure, but growing up, it was more the mainstay of Tom Izzo himself more than any individual player.
1: I think I think that's what college basketball has become, right? It's more about the face of the program, yeah, right. And you know, are you coming there because of the coach or are you coming there because of the program? Mm-hmm. And because Coach Izzo built that pipeline from Flint, right, starting with Antonio, Antonio Smith. Mm-hmm. And then leading into Mateen and Morris and and Charlie. Yeah. And then and then Kelvin yeah. and then just Marquise and really building that pipeline of uh of the Flintstones and yeah. just the, the Flint talent really which put Michigan State basketball on the map. Right. It's ironic to me that Flint put Michigan State basketball on the map and not Detroit.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's true.
1: That's that's something that's very ironic to me, you know? Um, but Calvin wrote a book called "Do We Have the Graphic All In?" Do we have that graphic? Can we get a hold of him? Is he not answering? I got you. Okay, Technical well, difficulties. There it is. So Kelvin all in. And I think that's a very interesting story because Flint is an interesting story. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting city, you know, from from uh, you know the the issues they had with their water. Right. And just uh, you know, uh, just the community they grew up in, right? I mean, yeah. when you look at the inner cities, Flint embodies a lot of the inner cities, yeah. uh, the urban areas um, within within the country. Mm-hmm. And um, to to be able, let's go back to that national championship game, two thousand. Think of how many kids were on that team yeah. from one city.
2: Yeah, how rare is that? You don't see it these days, right? You don't see it.
1: Morris, Peterson. Charlie Bell, um, Mateen. Yeah, Antonio was not on the national championship team. Right, but, but I mean, how how often do you see that many young men? from one city winning a national championship
2: yeah it's it's almost like a storybook kind of a movie th- in hollywood type of scenario like these days even if there is a town that has all those players like they'll transfer they'll go prep school somewhere else and you don't get that kind of narrative but those guys they stayed together and they went to their in-state school and they won them a natty just quite a
1: story well coach is win another natty i Were think the 11 scholarship
2: players the way he's recruiting the high school ranks he has not missed a beat the way you look at he's recruiting xavier booker the way you look at how he's identifying talent more than anything so they offer devon royal scotty middleton and milan Momsilovich three small forwards in the past few months all of them skyrocketed up the 24-7 sports rankings Yes, last week. How
1: about Booker? How many places did he jump?
2: 87 spots. He went from 91st in the nation to 4th in the nation. And Xavier Booker, he's a guy that is as much of a priority for Michigan State as possible. He's a guy that Tom Izzo has gone to more of his games than any other coach in the nation. So that's if, if the family's looking at like who's showing the most interest, who is actually walking the talk that's tom izzo and you kind of see what jaron jackson from indiana similar wingspan similar recruiting ranking look at how he's doing in the nba some people try to discount the fact that oh okay that's a five star so of course he's gonna go to the nba no jaron was not a top five five star and then you add in the upperclassmen that you compete against in college that are also in the draft pool. You add in the international players that also soak into the same draft pool. It is not a concrete scenario where just because you're a five-star, you're going to be a top NBA draft pick. You have to go to the right situation and get the right development, and then you can maybe go from five-star status to being a top five pick but it's not as concrete as people make it seem. And coaches have developed Jaron in a way that would be a blueprint for how Xavier Booker would be developed. Pretty much a Jaron Jackson clone, if you look at it. He has a smooth outside stroke, probably even better than Jaron at this point. He has great touch around the rim. He has a really long wingspan, span, always blocking shots. So I think right here, if you look at Xavier Booker and I guess the sales pitch that should most resonate I think a Jaron Jackson blueprint should be something that really, really grabs his eye.
1: What? How did um, Xavier Booker? Let's get to him for a second. Yeah. How many bags was he offered? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's skyrocketed, right? Mm-hmm. Did, did we bring attention on to Michigan State University? Did we bring attention on to him now that Duke offered him um how did he end up on the map
2: yeah so um coach Izzo was one of the original offers out of this next level of, of talent of schools that kind of go ahead and offer these guys like yeah there was Ohio State there was Purdue and, and those schools but like Michigan State offered him a few months ago when Tom Izzo was or actually they offered him about a year ago but a few months ago Izzo really, really took off in terms of the effort he was putting in and uh 2 days after Michigan State season ended against Duke Izzo was in Indiana attending all the games even in state coach Mike Woodson wasn't there and I know he caught the ire of the fans because of that but Yeah, so Izzo really, really started prioritizing him the second Michigan State season ended and stayed on him heavy. And Duke is now trying to come in here and and jump in afterwards. And we'll see what happens there. But I think Michigan State has a strong sales pitch of you can be the next Jaron Jackson and we have the proof in the pudding to kind of show what we can develop.
1: I'll tell you, um, it's, uh, I heard uh, Duke's new coach, What's his name? John Shire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I heard he's, uh, he's dominating recruiting. Yes. He he's doing very well. He is. That, is. that is the case. And so can we still compete with the Blue Bloods? What's your thoughts?
2: I think it'll depend on how the rest of the 2023 class shapes up. If they land Xavier Booker, I think a lot hinges on Xavier Booker. So if they land Xavier Booker, they land either Devin Royal or Scotty Middleton. And then you land a Milan Momsilovic. You already have Jeremy Fears, who I think is a great, great guard. You're starting to have one of your best, most well-rounded classes in a long time. And if you look at the 2021 class, and obviously Max Christie's tenure was shorter than expected, but Jaden Akins, I expect him to have a huge leap. Pierre Brooks should be a guy that in his junior and senior years really, really contributes. So that's a really solid 2021 class. 2022 they had a miss or two here and there but other than like so like ty rogers and jaden shoot i guess you can consider those losses but when Izzo missed out on isaac trout he pivoted to a guy on the other side of the nation in jackson kohler and at the final update of the 2022 recruiting rankings jackson kohler finished ahead of isaac trout so that is one of the most impressive pivots i've seen from Tom Izzo in a long time so you look at the 2021 class you look at the 2022 class which yes you ideally would have liked to have one more guy in there but that's fine now 2023 you're so far so good so right now from a high school standpoint I think yeah Michigan State can't compete with the Blue Bloods it's just are they going to do enough to fill in the cracks if there ever are any which in college sports there always are cracks you're not going to be loaded at every position every year so I guess maybe like if you're ever low in a position, I'd like to see maybe a guy filled in here and there. But other than that. Hold on, I heard somebody in my mic. Is he on? I'm here. Kelvin.
1: How you doing? How's my brother doing? We got Kelvin Torberg on the line. We got a little bit of technical difficulties here. How you doing, my brother? I'm doing good. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you joining us. Um, You know, we watched the trailer sorry we couldn't get you on here on zoom um tell us a little bit about your book and your story please so we can oh there he is right there <laughs> you look trim you look you look like you You know you look you look like you're playing weight i wish i wish that's a lot of camera man that camera puts on a few pounds huh yeah exactly <laughs> tell us about your book kelvin um
0: Basically, it's um, it's an all-in story. I co-wrote it with my, my buddy, Eric Woodyard, worked for ESPN, the Detroit Lions. Um, it's basically a, a chance to tell my story. You know, everybody has their reason of uh, what happened or why everything didn't go right within like Michigan State Pearl, and Pro and things of that nature. And now it's basically a chance for me to get my chance to sit down and just tell what happened. Like for me to open up and let everybody know my side of the story and the ups and the downs of everything that I went through.
1: So, like, just give us a synopsis. Uh, Tell me, tell me what happened that you're, you know, that you would like, um, like, what made you finally tell your story?
0: I mean, all honestly, just, just being around back home and around the city and neighborhood and just just hearing, it's funny, you hear people come up to you and tell you things that went wrong and why you didn't make it or why you wasn't in the NBA and those things. And the, the stories were so far off, man. It was like, you guys really don't know what happened or what I've been through or what I tried to do. and. It's funny that all the like the rumors and the, the false accusations started and things of that nature.
1: So, like, t- like what, what rumors? What fault? Like, educate us a little bit about what, like, what, what were you hearing that, that made you say, "Hey, I need to write a book. I need to tell people my story."
0: I mean, just basically, uh, you hear about the everybody goes with the the bus thing. He was a boss, he didn't make it, he didn't do that. And I mean, it's funny, even last week, I heard somebody saying that, oh, we heard you got into some drug issues and problems, and, and, and it just tickled me because I've never done a drug in my life, and that's the stories that are getting portrayed out here by people in these, in the neighborhood and in the streets, and and like, just being around, it was like, okay, let me tell you guys what happened to me. Like. It's real life stories. It's not just a kid that didn't make it because of basketball. It was a, it was a 17, eight year, 18 year old that went through a lot, that had to learn a lot, from being able to grow up and uh, really mature myself. I mean, going through the loss of parents at an early age, going through depression, going mm-hmm. through the um, like the just the mental issues and mental struggles that you don't see with college kids and early kids in their early 19s and 20s and those are all the things i went through like i went through being 18 19 years old and hearing people in the media and and grown men telling me that i was a bust i'm not gonna make it i i didn't do what i was supposed to do and you don't realize that those things do affect kids they do affect young adults and you have to fight your way out of it, and that, and that's basically my, what my books and the story is telling. Like, from me going from the, the highest of highs to the lowest of lows and and still being, still being able to bounce back and be a su- successful young man in this, this world. So it just tells that and explains how no matter the failures that you have or the things that don't go your way, you can still bounce back on your two feet and still roll.
2: That's a great story, and I think you speak on a very important issue that a lot of people mm, these days take sure for granted. Because a lot of people these days, like they see these college kids, they see all the glitz and glamour and all the fans they have. But at the end of the day, when they're at their dorm room at night and they're scrolling through Twitter and they're seeing people criticize a basket they miss or a pass they drop, they're isolated. They're alone. They don't have those fans there anymore suddenly telling them how good they are and all this. So. People really forget the human factor that the student athletes go through these days. And I think that's a great, great angle here that your book gets at. And I guess, first of all, before we get any further, how can we, how can someone acquire your book?
0: Uh, basically it's on Amazon. It's right on Amazon, all in the Kelvin Torver story. It should pop right up. Uh, we're also selling it at the local bookstore here in Flint called the comma bookstore, downtown Flint. and uh, those basically the two locations we have them right now. Okay. And, uh, we're planning on expanding, probably putting in a few more stores, and just to get it out there a little bit more.
2: Yeah, yeah. So everyone listening, open you, up Amazon. You know, Calvin, you touched on a very like
1: uh, interesting point to me because, so when I came to MSU to play football, i I was sheltered. I didn't grow up in a world where, you know, the greatest thing about diversity and about about just teaching you about other cultures is the locker room and so i thought everybody had the same chance in life that i had i thought everybody had a two-parent home stable income you know um make a living work at the factory there's a lot of things that i took for granted that when i got to msu i didn't realize that some of these young men were getting really dropped into china just totally different environment didn't know anything about it quite frankly never been around white people uh never been around other cultures um didn't know how to adapt and i it took me a while to learn about man this this is just not that easy it's not you just cannot take people out of their environment and make expect them to adapt and talk a little bit about like just adapting and the expectations and just being able to just to go from flint to china
0: um it's it's a real culture shock i don't think a lot of people understand they that. don't I mean, just being they a, don't you're being right. a kid from flint being a single coming up in a single parent home where I'm, i mostly grew up with just my dad and three other brothers so i grew up in a, a situation where you got what you got or you basically have to fight for it you know It was times we had to fight for that last sandwich, that last piece of chicken. And I was the youngest, and I didn't win a lot of times. So (laughs) it's it's those type of things that they don't realize. And then getting up to Michigan State and basically being on your own, learning that you had to grow up and learn things on your own. And everybody see the college athlete, and they think all these college athletes got it made. It's it's not like they think it is. I mean, it's a lot better now with the NIL, but Sure. when we were there, we only got a couple of dollars, and it was times where, at night, where we're all sitting in our apartments sitting in our dorm room, and we're all scrambling up dollars so we can get a hot and ready so we can eat at night, and, and things like that, and they don't understand. They think that it's all sugar-coated, like, just because we're on TV, we're at the big games, and like they don't see us at night they don't see us in that dorm room trying to figure out how we gonna eat at night uh it was times where i had to go to pool halls and hustle guys to win money so we can eat and it's (laughs) it's funny because they don't see that part of it and they don't know that part of like these college kids or these athletes and it's it's a soft situation because a lot of them are coming from inner city homes or inner city families that never really had to get out there and try to grind and make it on their own
2: yeah for sure and yeah there's those all those stories in your book are very intriguing and people should definitely look into it but in terms of some positive stories what about a funny or interesting memory of tom Izzo that you look back on and you're like yep that's hey, prototypical hey, tom he, Izzo. he scared
1: the hell out of me and i was a trustee <laughs> so I mean, I mean, I'm sure he chewed your, you know, your, you know, one out several times. But give us a funny Izzo story, please. We had him out a couple of weeks ago. Give us a funny Izzo story.
0: Um, I think it's one uh, encounter. I think I did put it in the book. I think we were playing uh, UCLA at home. I think it might have been my senior or junior year, and and we're playing up and down. We're we're probably losing a little bit and. He calls a timeout, and Coach just rips me to shreds. Shocker. I'm talking about you stink. You're terrible. You're supposed to be a leader. We're out here losing. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. And it kind of boiled up, and I and I turned around to him, and I was like, well, you ain't called a good play all night. You ain't the right calls. You ain't done what we're supposed to do to quit this game. And we kind of went back and forth for about 30 seconds. And then – Right before the time I was over, we, we didn't call a play or drop nothing. He looked at me and he said, Okay, well, go get me a basket then. <laughs> I think that next play, I end up in the three-pointer and I'm like, my chest looking at him. I'm like, I told you I got this. And it's hilarious, man. There's a lot of stories that we had that you look back and, and it's it's fun, you know? In the moment, you're like, Damn, he's on my yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. riding me. But now after, it's like, man, it was fun. It, it was. It was what he was supposed to do. He, we were yeah. all kids. We didn't know. Like, he knew how to win, and we didn't. So he was ultimately teaching us. And now you look back on it, you kind of regret a few things. And But I think we did get it together at the right time to make a, a pretty decent run.
1: You, you know how many yeah. people have said that to me? Not the former players, now they look back on it, and they realize he had your back. He was loyal. He knew what he was. He's preparing you for life, right? And mm-hmm. it's so funny because George Perlis was the same to me. Nick Saban was the same to me, you know. And uh, it's funny because we had—I uh, know you work for uh, Matt Ishbia right now at UWM. So we had Coach on a couple of weeks ago, and I was asking him. So like, who was your better, your best recruit, Mateen or Ish? He said, he goes, you know, Mateen was, but but there's no question, Matt Ishbia was the best recruit that I ever had, you know. <laughs> you know but it's funny those stories that you're telling us right because we're old school we all got our asses chewed you know gp used to chew me saving used to chew me and and i look back then i'm like like man why'd they ride me like that you know and then all these life lessons right through life and how it helped us adapt and and uh adjust to life these were all life lessons and you learn and i was fortunate enough to to grow up in, in, a, in a two-parent home and and so mm-hmm. i can you know when i played at msu i a lot of my brothers you know that they were you know they were afraid to to go out at night they didn't want to leave a house party they didn't trust anybody and trust the police they did not want to go anywhere like they were very i never understood the why Never like understood until I began to understand where they came from, and I said, "Okay, now this makes sense to me." Did you feel that when you were at MSU? Like, just did you, you know, the culture shock, right? I mean, that was the biggest. Was that one of your biggest factors? You think?
0: Yeah, that definitely was one of the biggest factors. Uh, Definitely coming from Flint and just seeing the things that that you were getting a a chance to witness at college. Uh, Just being able to go out and. Hang out and party and, and doing those things, and when you're growing up, where we grew up from, you're getting out. You're like, oh no, there are the to police. We gotta go. Yeah. And, and it was times where we were out in captains and the police were actually like, hey, you guys, y'all need to get out of here. You y'all play basketball, I play football. I get out of here. <laughs> and and it was like you never seen that side. It was that okay, you are going down with me, and and for us to see that from that angle and seeing that things are different a little bit different in the world and you can't adjust i mean that was a great thing for us through campus it taught me how to relate more to the real world and not be stuck in that bubble of living that bubble what you grow up in and i tell a lot of people that now like you have to get out and view the world explore the world learn new things like and that's the biggest thing that i think i've got out of my um adventures and stuff being able to travel and live in so many different countries like it's so many different cultures and so many different things and you get a real perspective of life like everything ain't as bad as you think like it's so many people out there that got it worse I mean you you might have it bad but it's people that really have it worse and you just have to uh, play with the cards you dealt and make the best out of them and that's what I I try to lead on all kids now definitely try to pump that into my own son and just any any younger generation, I try to tell them that that live life like don't be scared to enjoy yourself and and live these days because you you can't get them back. Like every day, I wish I could go back and say I was 19, 20, Oh, ta- times live come days. Out
1: yeah, and, times and, and that-
0: it's just time is one of the biggest things that we take for granted. Like even just watching now, with with guys just so many guys dying, teammates and. Even with the, the A P situation, so AP, us so man. Hard. like it's yeah. It's like he, he it's a situation that he's not even that type of guy. And he's just no. in the wrong place at the wrong Awful. time and it's sad. And so now it's like you just have to enjoy every day the best you can.
1: So so when you left Flint and got to MSU and you got your first approach by a cop and got your first parking ticket at Case or Wonders. <laughs> what, what, what were you thinking? It's a little bit different, right?
0: Oh, it's definitely different. My, my <laughs> first thing was like, "Oh shit, I gotta tell Coach about this." And, uh, it, and the best thing was, man, Coach had our back a lot of times. Oh so yeah, like, okay, loyal- boy, Oh yeah, give me that. Give us that ticket. We are gonna have to make payments on it. You want to pay ten bucks <laughs> here, ten bucks there, there, or we're gonna take it from your uh, your per diem money and we'll pay it off. And that was some you didn't see. It was like. You came back with that ticket, like, oh, shit, I might not play or I might have to sit out this game. And, and he was, he was real, really, like, real with us. Like, okay, we all get parking tickets. Like, it's okay. We all park at a meter too long. We all park in case when we're supposed to. And, I mean, it's, it was one of those learning experiences that it helped us grow up as men. And the thing he did was keep us as a family. He always taught us to have each other's back. Like, even if we were in a classroom, he... If I was struggling and Alan knew the stuff, his thing was Alan, you better make sure KT get the shit so he knows it. Or if I knew it and Chris Hill didn't know it, that was his thing. You better help Chris so he can get through it. And, and always taught us to have a brotherhood and be a family.
2: So, Kelvin, on that note, when, so I didn't even play for coaches though, and it still irritates me, the perception that I see. But like, when you're like looking at ESPN or whatever, and you see people are criticizing as though for his latest uh talking to that he gives a player on the sideline what goes through your mind with the way that he's perceived and you know him as a person and you know where his intentions lie so what is your like uh, response emotionally to just the way that sometimes the media tries to portray him
0: it's funny to me because it gives an image that they like you really don't know this guy he's so fired up during games that he wants to win almost more than the player. So that competitive edge of him is coming out. Like, he's he's fired up all the time. And even the guys that you've seen him yelling at or the things you've seen with, with the Gabe Browns and things like that, where did Gabe go? Right. Gabe stayed there. He went through his four years. Mm-hmm. After he graduated, he, he, gave coach, he gave Coach one of the biggest hugs he ever had. Ever. So that, that tells you that. Every one of those kids that he yelled at, that he talked to, they love him to death, and they would do anything for him. And that's why we continue to have success and continue to get guys to come back and do things just because of that, the family atmosphere and the love that he shows to us as, as kids that we can't take back and we, we all wish we still had right now to this day.
1: You know, it was funny because I was watching him. I forgot which game it was, and they had like a a camera huddle, right? Like in between timeouts. And he was going, "All right, guys, let's go." <laughs> <laughs> he, he saw the camera on him, right? <laughs> All right, guys, let's go. And and I just tweeted, I texted Bukrak, it's Timmy Bukrak. I'm like. I'm sure that's exactly how those huddles go. And we couldn't stop stop laughing because we all all know how those huddles go, right? I mean, we're hearing from the boys. I was laughing my my tail off, man. I was cracking up, man. So uh, we appreciate you joining us, uh, Calvin. And uh, tell us one more time. So we want to get your book. We're going to go buy your book on Amazon.com. Where else can we get it from?
0: also at the the comma bookstore downtown Flint it's there they got probably a uh, 20 to 50 copies right now that they still have and we'll, we continue to push them in there and make sure you get them and check it out get a read you have a chance to really understand me and what I went through
1: I want you know what I want to read that and we love Flint and uh you know uh Dearborn has a special place in my heart just like Flint at your home man it's got a special place in your heart right. and so you always be a Spartan dog, brother. I appreciate you always. joining us and uh tell Matt we said hello and uh you know God bless and uh we appreciate you joining us and go green.
0: Go white. And make All sure right. you let Matt know that was our connection problem was his computer. That's our work to do that wasn't working. So God, you I'm sure going I'm gonna, crap I'm gonna about make some that f- God, You know
1: what? I'm gonna call <laughs> I'm gonna call some of the IT folks now. I'm glad you told me i'm gonna send an email yeah. right now i am
2: exactly <laughs> thank you for joining us Calvin. <laughs> thank you for
1: joining us kelvin torbert appreciate you have a good night brother we'll be in touch soon okay take care Calvin. all right thanks for having me all right thank you all right that's kelvin torbert all in can purchase on amazon.com as well as uh the bookstore in flint he yeah. said the Commoner, i believe he said the comma yep, yep yeah the comment so uh that was these uh great insight Coach, yeah. you know, those stories are the grace ladies and gentlemen uh, thank you for joining us tonight. I am your co-host, Brian Masalem, along with my co-host, Justin Thin. Justin, thank you for joining us. Yep. Thank you, everybody. Good night, and go green, and God bless.
0: He's 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 Nice start. block. Wow. Great penetration surge through the middle of that. Michigan State first and
2: goal. Yeah. Outstanding play.
1: At Pennzoil, we have one job. Pioneering a motor oil so advanced, you don't have to think about your motor oil. Instead, you can think about how your engine sounds, how your stomach feels as the RPMs build, how your wheels hug the curves, and how, with the Pennzoil Platinum Up to 15-Year 500,000 Mile Protection Guarantee, your adventures will be many. Pennzoil. Long may we drive. Find it at Firestone Complete Auto Care. Enrollment required. Keep your receipts. Other conditions apply. See penzoil.com slash warranty for full details.